my name is Dominic, and yeah, I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and grateful this morning that I get to open the Word and teach from it. Uh, we're in a series <clears throat> called Gifted for More, and so we're going to continue in that this morning. I want to start by reading from Psalm chapter 8, uh, looking at verses 3 through 9. Uh, God inspired David, the shepherd, to pen this uh, to us this morning. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place... What is man, what is humanity, that you are mindful of him or of them, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have created him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth." It was pretty incredible this morning to actually stand with these families and as Tim was announcing the names of the children and praying then in light of what these parents intentionally named their kids, not just first names but middle names, it was pretty stunning to actually sit there and listen to that, right? The intentionality to say, we're going to name our child the middle name Truth or Wisdom or any of the names that we're given. And for a moment, I'd invite you just to pause and think about if we as parents even in our flawed nature, can be that intentional and desire to speak that much good into those that God has entrusted to us. Think even more so about how good the intention of God's heart was in creating humanity. How intentional and good and powerful it is that this psalm says that God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And David stands there. I imagine as a shepherd, he's standing there. Maybe he wrote this when he was a king. Either way, he's got some amazingly beautiful vantage point. And he's standing there and he's looking at that and he's going, Oh my God, literally, my God, what am I? What is humanity that when I look at everything that you created, the majesty, the beauty, the creativity, the love expressed in all that I can see with my eyes right here, what am I that you are mindful of me? See, and the answer of that is God saying, in a sense, through this psalm, saying, I am mindful of you, David. I am mindful of you, humanity, because you, in a sense, are the pinnacle of my creation. Of everything that I created, the most intention was put into humanity. The greatest expression of love was in humanity. The uniqueness of the gifts, the skills, the talents of everything that I have put into humanity is an overflow of my heart, such to the point that I am entrusting you, humanity, to be the stewards of and to have authority over all that I have created. Think about that for a second. Everything that God has created, he's entrusted it to us, to be the stewards of it, to have authority over it for the sake of his glory, so that we and others would all stand there together. And as David said in verse 9, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We're in a series, as I said earlier, we're in a series now called uh, Gifted for More. And we're taking time to look at and consider the way that God has intentionally and lovingly created humanity, every single person with different gifts, skills, and talents, and all of them to be stewarded in partnership with God for his glory and his kingdom expanding in this world. Last week, we talked about the fact that I believe that for the church, both Little C, meaning our church and every other church here, and Big C Church in the the world to flourish, and for the kingdom of God to be revealed and to grow as God's heart desires within this world, we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we need to understand our God-given abilities and also then use them both inside of the church and outside of the church. 
That's part of this call, this mandate that God has given here that David recognizes when he says, again, what is man that you're mindful of him? Oh, it's because you've entrusted us with authority to oversee all that you've created. In the very first week, we looked at Ephesians 2.10 and we talked about the reality that every single person in humanity is a gift. Every single person was created with intention out of the overflow of God's love and God's heart and he birthed them in the world. And so every person is actually a gift. Ephesians 2.10, and we talked about that, excuse me, Paul writes there and uses this word, for we are God's workmanship. It's the word poema. Again, it's the word that, that sounds similar to our word poem because it is, meaning every single life is a work of art. Again, the overflow of God's heart and his love created to tell a story, to tell the beautiful and good story of who God is. And each person is not only a gift, but they're a gift created with a purpose. And that God made no mistakes. Not a single one of you in here is a mistake. Not a single one of Anybody you'll encounter in this world is a mistake, and no one either is to be defined by their mistakes. The grace of God has done a beautiful and intentional work in every single person, and the grace of God has the ability to redeem every single life that he created and loves. Amen? That was week one. That was foundation. Week two, we moved on from everybody being a gift to everybody being a gift with gifts. We looked at Romans chapter 12, talking about the fact that as we talk about gifts, we actually need to change our thinking, as Paul encourages us, and to not think about the fact that we have different gifts, not to think about that with comparison nor competition, but to think about that with complementary nature. Meaning you are gifted and I am gifted and she is gifted and he is gifted. We're all gifted. It's all different and unique, but we're not supposed to look at each other within the body of Christ and go, oh, which one's better than that? No, we'll look at it and go, you know what? They actually, by the grace of God, has a gift that I don't have. And when we come together, we together can tell the more full story of God's goodness in the gospel. And if we all do that together out of the grace of God, man, how powerful can it be? How amazing could it be to come together in our uniquenesses and our differences and to come together to exert our energy and our love as God did it into our lives out into this world to create against something beautiful and magnificent that tells a more fuller picture of the gospel together than I could on my own. And that that's a key perspective that we need to have in this conversation about gifts. And this week we're moving from everyone to being a gift with gifts to the truth that everyone is a gift with gifts to share. And this morning, what we want to talk about is the stewardship, a very intentional and generous stewardship that I believe God calls us to and his word calls us to. Now, if you've been a part of the Missio family, maybe you're tracking already and you're going, ah, I see what you're doing here a little bit. I want to put up a, a picture, a graph. If, if you're a guest with us this morning, and I apologize if it's kind of hard to see, one of the things that we talk a lot about is the, the rhythms of Jesus. We want to live into the rhythms of the life of Jesus. Uh, simply, we say up, in, and out. And a key part of this series is to help us remember that our lives are to be an expression of the rhythms in the life of Christ. So upward is talking about living in communion with God. The goal, one of the goals of this series as we talk about giftings, as we're reminded of God's grace and the unique intention and love that he put into every single one of us, part of the goal is that our hearts would expand in worship for God because, again, we look at his grace and we're just in awe of who he is and how majestic and beautiful and amazing it is that he, in love, intentionally created not only myself but every single person around us. And we begin to look and marvel and worship Jesus because of the beauty that we see expressed through others. That we would connect and begin to trust God more fully, understanding how he's wired us and go, Lord, if this is my life and all of it I believe is a gift of grace from you, how do I use and steward my life as, an, as a gift of worship to you? Secondly, moving from that upward position or that communion with God to moving inward to moving and looking at community. Again, looking at and acknowledging we're all different. How do we come together? But how are we called to steward that out of love for one another? To move it more fully in love with one another the way that we're called to? 
And then thirdly, to look outward and go, okay, my life, holistically, a gift of God, gifted by God, how do I use this to fulfill God's mission in the world? And I, one of the things I mentioned last week as we were talking more in depth was to say, look, the, the goal of this series, 100%, I'm being honest, is not to say, hey, everybody, go now sign up and serve somewhere in the church. Is that important? Yes. Is that necessary? Yes. Is that a very small slice and sliver of the time that God has entrusted you with a whole week? Yes. So really the point of this series is to, again, look more holistically at our lives, up, in, and out, and go, I, we all need to expand our understanding of the grace of God holistically in my life so that all of my life can be an expression of the kingdom of God. That's why he's created us. That's why he's gifted us unique skills, talents, and everything. You tracking with me? So today, we are going to talk about inward. Next week, we will talk more fully about outward. And this whole series is going to be this holistic look again at God's gifts to us. Because I believe this. Our church's potential, Missio's potential, for impact, kingdom impact, hinges largely on how well we understand and leverage our gifts, skills, and talents for the kingdom of God. And that's not just me. That's not just me understanding my gifts and therefore that equals the impact in our community. It's not just the staff team understanding their gifts and leveraging their gifts for the impact in the community. It's every single one of us that calls ourselves part of this body of Christ. It's us understanding our gifts, skills, talents, God's grace entrusted to us, and then leveraging it for the sake of the kingdom. That's the, that's the impact that we together can have. Talk about being a hope zone, right? A place of hope, a place of help, a place of healing, a place of home. People coming to understand and know that they belong at home with Jesus. That's all of us doing that together. Using different skills, talents, again, abilities to do that. And so this morning, as we talk about the fact that everyone is a gift with gifts to share, I want to open up God's word this morning to Acts chapter 2. And I read a passage that's probably quite familiar to you if you've been a follower of Jesus for any time. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, God's word reads like this to us this morning. It says, and they devoted themselves. This is, they're talking about the, very, the first church here in Acts in Jerusalem. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to pause there for a second and give us a moment to consider something. As you heard that this morning, and if you'll keep that on the screen, if you can put a portion up there. What about that portion of scripture? What draws you in this morning? As you hear that, what resonates and maybe with a sense of longing in your heart this morning? What sticks out to you and do you find appealing in that passage? You don't all have popcorns, but you have, you, know, you don't all have popcorns. You don't all have microphones, but you have voices. Would you just popcorn a word or two? Would you say something? Just, just shout it out. If you want popcorn, it's back on the group. No, sorry. <laughs> There's my train of thought, and I jumped ahead. Would you just popcorn? What are things, as you hear that, what resonates with you? What brings you joy? What draws you in? What, what do you long for when we read those verses? Talk to me here. 
They were in awe. I want to be in awe. What else? Favor with all the people. Yeah, there was something miraculous that happened with all the people in the community looking at this church and going, huh, there's something cool there. There's something good there. They looked at them with favor. What else? Community building. Yeah. What else? One more. One last brave soul who can popcorn. He added to their numbers day by day. See, what I proposed to you this morning is that we are called to do life together with one another. That God's word is really clear about that. That we're called to live life in community, not in isolation. That the God who exists in community as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the first humans in community, Adam and Eve, and he's created every single other person since the his time of being of history to live in community and to be sustained in community, to belong in community. And when we read passages about beautiful and healthy and good community, there's all kinds of things, I, I, would, I think, that jump out in our hearts and in our minds and go, oh, I long for that, I want that. Some of them you guys mentioned, other things weren't mentioned here, but I guarantee you, each one of you felt a draw towards this. Why? Because we're created for it. The God who lives in community himself and intentionally designed community to be a certain way, we, we long for it. We're created for it. We can't help but read that and hear that and go, I want that. I want to experience that. And that's because by God's grace, one of the key things that he's given to us is restoration through Jesus Christ with him in relationship, but also the ability and the capacity to be restored to one another in healthy and flourishing relationship through his son Jesus. And we long for that. We do. We just do. This week, uh, a family in our community who's kind of newer, they, they, one, they have two kids. One of them got sick, and they sent Joel and I a text, and they said, look, we've got to take our kid in. We've got to get some medicine. We've got to do all this stuff. And right away, we said, okay, we'll be praying for you. And Joel used one of his unique gifts, and right away was like, hey, we'll send you a meal. And so they did. The very next day, we get a message saying, hey, the, our, our kid had uh, an adverse reaction to the medication that they were given for, for what they needed. And they're, they're texting me. My, so my wife goes, okay, we take their other kid. We bring him into our house. My wife's at home watching the kids with our child care provider. And we're also saying we're still praying. That day, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to follow in Joel's footsteps because he's really good at that hospitality and offering gifts real quick. I'm going to offer a gift, a meal too. We did. That night, I get a text and it reads this. It said, thank you, Khan family, for the support today. Not sure how folks make it without community. Not sure how folks make it without community. You guys, here's the answer. Folks actually don't make it without community. Right? We don't. We don't make it to the extent that we are created and called to without community. Let me give you some proof of that, not only from Scripture, but from the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who on May 3rd of 2023, just a couple weeks ago, wrote this in his statement called Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. He said, today, the United States Surgeon, sorry, the report was saying this, today, United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, released a new Surgeon General advisory, <clears throat> excuse me, calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk of individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives, and lacking connection can increase the risk of premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. He goes on later to say, while the epidemic of loneliness and isolation is widespread, 
and has profound consequences for our individual and collective health and well-being, there is a medicine hiding in plain sight. Social connection. He goes on to say, social connection is beneficial for individual health and also improves the resilience of our communities. Evidence shows that increased connection can help reduce the risk of serious health conditions such as heart disease, stroke, dementia, and depression. Communities where residents are more connected with one another fare better on several measures of population health, community safety, community resilience, when natural disasters strike, prosperity, and civic engagement. This is this month, the U.S. Surgeon General stating this and writing this. What he basically just undergirded, y'all, is the Word of God. What he basically just spoke to was the fact that God's design for humanity is the answer to the greatest epidemic that they're saying is going on in our day and our time right now. Life in community. Sharing life in community and loving one another the way that Christ has loved us. Living in connection in community and inviting others into connection and into community. Because isolation kills. We're called to live life in community. I want to share another stat with you before I go back to God's word here. Part of this series is uh, undergirded by research that Barna did, a Christian research firm. They, in, in 2020, in, in the summer of 2020, they surveyed 1,500 U.S. adults. They surveyed 1,300 uh, what they called, uh, or excuse me, what, yeah, what they called committed c- Christians. And what they were saying in this research, one of the pieces was that most people that they surveyed out of the 2,800 total could identify one to three gifts that like, they, they know that understand that God has entrusted to them or that they're created with. But there was a small percentage, and it was, it was pretty small, so they couldn't even give a, an exact number to it. But there was a small percentage of people that checked none. Like when they were asked the question, what gifts, skills, talents, abilities, experience do you have? A small percentage checked none. But what they found interesting was this. Those people that checked none, here's what was true of them. There was a lack of connection and religious, there was a lack of connection, religious or otherwise, seems to be apparent in those who say they have zero skills. Among all U.S. adults, a large portion of this segment has not been to church within the past six months. Adding to this community disconnect, about half say they don't know any of their neighbors. Lack of religious or community engagement means these individuals are far less likely to have ever worked on a community project or currently do not even feel like they have a sense of community in their life. All stark contrasts when compared to those who identify one or more gifts. Again, this is a report done in 2020. What what are they saying here? They're saying that being part of a welcoming, supporting community where your gifts can be readily identified, where they can be shared and they can be celebrated is a key part of people's sense of worth and value and health and well-being. Again, God's word tells us that. And not only that, but meaningly contributing to a community is part of what we were created for. And therefore, that's why it's part of and key to our health. That's what these studies are saying, and that's what God's word is saying. I want to go on to act, look again at Acts chapter 2, 43 to 46. It says this, And awe, which is one of the things that stuck out to us, awe came upon every soul, and, may, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Because we're not only called to live in community, but we're called to live in community with a posture of generosity towards one another. See, we, oftentimes when we read this, we think, oh my goodness, they, they sold all their stuff. They don't. But there's a generosity spoken of here that, that goes beyond material possessions, right? There's a generosity of time. 
There's a generosity of, of the meals. There's a generosity of just doing life together to understand that call that intrinsically and that longing within all of us that says, I am created for community. And if we're going to live into it, there's, there has to be an element of, of, of posture, of generosity in every aspect of our life to say, if, if we're going to come together, the, the postures that our culture has wired within us of isolation or of individuality or of this is mine or of like poverty mindset or just all these things that, that prevent us and hold us back from engaging the type of community we want. We've got to embrace this posture that says, Lord, by your grace, all that I have and anything that I have is from you. So I am now to steward it for your glory and actually for the benefit of the community you've called me into. Here's a stat that was part of the research that Barna did and it said this. One-third of practicing Christians believe their gifts are just for them and their benefit. I'm going to pause and let you guys look at that one for a little bit. One-third of practicing Christians believe their gifts are just for them and their benefit. Not to be judgmental, but I would love to sit down with these one-third of Christians and have a conversation with them and go scripturally, where do you come up with that? Scripturally, where do you get that belief? That the life that God has given you and everything that you have, that somehow you can look at this and you're calling yourself a practicing Christian and you're saying, aligning with this, I can say that everything that I have in my life, it's just for me and my benefit. First Peter, I'm going I'm to move away from Paul's writings because we've looked at those quite a bit, but just to show you an example, First Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 10 through 11 say this. This is a different apostle's words about gifting and how we are to comport ourselves within community. As each has received a gift, again, focusing on the reality of it, you've received it, it's been a gift of grace from God into your life. As each has received it, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We could flip through scripture together this morning, church, and every single passage that's going to talk about gifting is going to talk about it coming from God's grace, given to the individual, to be steward for the benefit, for the sake of, the blessing of others for the contributing of life together for the sake of health and flourishing and the story of the gospel being told in such a way that the community then has favor in the sight of others, that God could then add to their numbers daily, that there is awe that comes over not only the people in the community but around because they look and go, oh my gosh, this is so countercultural. This is so amazing. This is so incredible that this diverse group of people, amidst all their differences, amidst all the, the reasons why they shouldn't be together, they're drawn together and they understand something beautiful and powerful. And what they're doing together is absolutely amazing. See, Jesus said it this way in John 13. He said, uh, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A key statement in there is Jesus saying, as I has have loved you, so you ought to love one another. Question for you, church. How has Jesus loved us? With absolute generosity. With absolute self-sacrifice with absolute concern for the needs of others in the sake of their flourishing and their health and knowing that as he did that, he wasn't missing out, 
but that he too would receive the blessing of the grace of God of knowing I'm fulfilling the purpose to which I have called and as this community flourishes, I flourish. As this community experiences life, I experience life. As this community fulfills what God has called them for, I get to experience what God has called and created me for. Mutuality of love and of joy and of kindness and of goodness, of the care of God, flourished and put on display for the world to see. That's what Jesus has called us to. I don't know where you could open the scripture and read this and go, yep, God's gifted me with this, and it stops here. Now, Missio, I can look at you and I can be so honest and grateful that I, I, I don't think that our, our, the posture of our community is, is that one-third. I don't think that. I, and most people that walk in here would never say they experienced that, and I've not experienced that as I've had the privilege of pastoring this community. So please don't hear that with, and, you know, right? Hear that, hear that rightly this morning. If by sake there's something in you that, that resonates with that, listen to that sense of the Spirit inviting you into something. But I can say honestly this morning, I'm so grateful that I believe God has put a Spirit in our heart here where we understand this. But can we always continue to grow, church? Yes. Can we always continue to experience transformation of less of the design of, of my flesh and of the culture and more of the gospel, the grace of God getting in me so that I steward and comport myself in this community more the way God's created me to? Yes. See, last week we looked at in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, when, when Paul wrote and he said, having gifts that differ according to the grace given, let us use them how? He went on to say, use them with humility, with faith, with generosity, with zeal, and with joy. That's the gospel posture, I believe, that we're called to as we enter into community with one another, is to enter in with humility, to enter in with faith, to enter in with generosity, with zeal and with joy, again, knowing anything that I have is only because of the grace of God in my life. And as I bring it into a community that God has graciously called me into, again, how do I steward that for the sake of, of the community flourishing and telling the grander, more full picture of the gospel for the world to see and understand? Miroslav Wolf, he's a professor of theology at Yale Divinity School. He wrote this recently. He said, to live in sync with who we truly are means to recognize that we are dependent on God for our very breath and are graced with many good things. It means to be grateful to the giver and attentive to the purpose for which the gifts are given. God's gifts aim to make us into generous givers, not just fortunate receivers. God gives so that we, in human measure, can be givers too. And that's exactly what we see happen when the, when the ch first church did that, when they entered in, not only as generous recipients of, of God's grace, they were generous givers towards one another. And again, not just talking about finances, talking about just the totality of their lives, the different areas of their lives. They were generous to one another. And we read in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, what happens. It says, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. See, when we share our gifts, as God has called us to, multiplication happens. And we witness God grow our community. And what I propose to you is not just numerically, but it's growth of the community, again, in the, in the sense of health. Defining it, again, beyond numbers, but defining it as relational health, spiritual health, emotional health, connection, the things that we all need, the things we were all created for. And again, as that happens, the world looks and goes, oh my goodness, there must be something going on there. And what are they attracted to? We can look and go, they're attracted to Jesus. Because we're doing this, <laughs> if I participate in this, y'all, I'm doing it not because of my flesh and my desire. 
I'm not doing it because I just want to. I'm doing it because the grace of God calls me towards it. And when each of us submits ourselves to the grace of God in that way and is drawn together in this, the world will notice. They will see. And we then can participate in being the answer to the isolation and th- that is happening, that is hiding in plain sight. It's one another. But again, learning to steward our lives and every aspect of it as a grace of God for the sake of the goodness and the health and the wholeness of humanity. And we, as a church, are called to start doing that with one another first. Again, next week we'll talk about how do we move out. But doing that for one another, loving one another the way that Christ has called us to. I'm wrap this up very quickly here. What I want to point out to you, though, is if we were to continue in the, the book of Acts, again, we, we see this amazing picture in chapter 2. If you're familiar with uh, the book of Acts, you know that after chapter 3 and then after chapter 4 comes chapter 5. And in chapter 5 is the story of what? It's Ananias and Sapphira. Anybody remember that story? So while this amazing community is going on and people are submitting themselves to the grace of Jesus and coming together for the sake of one another, you have this couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And they would say that they are committed Christians like the other people in the survey. They would say that they're practicing Christians. But Ananias and Sapphira are over here and they're going, I know that everybody else is over there doing that thing, but what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and sell this thing and we're going to hide the money and we're not going to tell anybody about it. Well, the God who is gracious and gives grace also knows everything. <laughs> and what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They experienced death. Why? Not be- Why? <laughs> Why? Because that's the product, right, of, of sin. That's the product of going against, in a sense, the grace of God. The grace of God calls us into community and into fellowship, into generosity, and it's inspiring and it's life-giving. And the exact opposite of that leads to death. It leads to isolation. It leads to separation. It leads literally to death is what Scripture shows us here. And again, if we continue on past Acts chapter 5, we go on to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, you have this story where the apostles come to the rest of the community and they say, hey, look, we've noticed uh, that these certain widows and people are not being fed their proper portion, they're not being cared for. So what we need to do is, is, is do that. But the way we need to do that is if we were to take our focus off teaching, and it's not that they were trying to elevate their teaching, but they were understanding the grace of God given specifically to them. They said, look, if, if we take our attention away from this, that's going to be missing and the whole thing will be all wonky. But look, all of us together, everybody in here is a gift. Everybody in here has gifts. And if we all bring them together and stew them generously, these widows won't be left out. You guys get the picture? And so again, other gifts and skills were called to the table. Other people were invited in. Other people were encouraged. Their gifts were developed and they were called out in faith to extend themselves. And so now you have people using these gifts here, these gifts here, these gifts here, these here, and now nobody was left out. And, what it, and at the end of that story, what are we told? That again, more people saw that, they were attracted to that, and it bared fruit, it bore fruit for the kingdom of God. Example after example after example in Scripture is that. This process of going from being aware of our gifts which right now, according to the survey, it's only 54% of Christians are aware of how God has actually gifted them. But moving from awareness of our gifts to being now intentional with our gifts, which the survey says only 38 of Christians are intentional, meaning they're, they're practicing and they're developing, to then moving to generosity with our gifts. And the, four, the survey says only 20%, 27% are, are investing in others and actually stewarding it with generosity. Again, I'm so grateful for this community but I'm looking at these numbers too and thinking, man, what if all of us, by the grace of God, again, we're aware of the way that he's uniquely wired us. 
which means we step out of pride and we also step out of self-deprecation, but we step in humility, as Paul says, and we can acknowledge and go, by the grace of God, here's how I'm gifted, and we become aware of that. And then we step into community with intentionality and we steward it with humility, with joy, with generosity, with faith. And not only that, but we move into that place of generosity. Can you imagine what condition churches would be? Would you imagine what condition this world would be if we all stepped into this process of going from my awareness of God's grace in my life, intentionally stewarding it, and now generously stewarding it? Think of how the narrative would be different if one-third of Christians didn't think, I've been gifted by God with this stuff and it's just for me. How would the narrative be different in our world if everybody that says, I'm a follower of Jesus, says, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus, and that means every aspect of my life is a gift of grace from God and I'm going to steward it with generosity and faith for the sake of the well-being and the wholeness and the flourishing of my church body and now the community outside as well. Can you guys dream about that with me? That would be so powerful. It would be so powerful. We would see people coming to Jesus more often, I think. Because it would mean we are understanding that in our day-to-day lives, we're not bifurcating and saying, I'm wired to do this here and I'm wired to do this. No, my whole life, holistically, and everywhere that God places me, I am a gift made by him with gifts to steward with generosity for the sake of others' well-being and for the glory of God in this world. Come on. So here's application. Here's me wrapping up. I want to invite you guys all to think about just your current commitment to community. How committed are you to living life in community the way that God has called you to? Just invite you this week to have a conversation with the Lord. Go, Lord, like, here's where I am in community. Here's where I'm at. Where are you inviting me to be? What are the things that I'm still holding on to? What are the things from the last number of years that have called it, you know, put us all into isolation and all that? But Lord, how are you calling me out? What's that next step where you're calling me into community for the sake of my own health and for the sake of contributing to the community that I belong to? Second thing is, would you go, if you're a part of this Missio family, would you go to everygift.org and would you take the, the assessment? At the, it's free for you to do that, and at the end, just put in Missio Community. The reason why I want to do this is because I, I want to see just the gift mix and the makeup of our community. At the end of this, to look at that, I think it'll be really beautiful, and there's stuff that we want to, as a staff team to do with that. Again, that's going to help move us to be a hope zone, a place of hope, help, healing, and a place of home. Would you, would you please do that if you say you're part of Missio? Thirdly, would you embrace a posture of something similar to this, of going, how, how can I help? to step in here and don't be part of the one-third that says, I don't got to do nothing because this is not, not, it's not for anybody else. But would you embrace a posture that says when you step in here or when you step in your missional community, when you step into a gathering, when you step into any space that we're creating for a community, would you step in with this idea of going, how can I contribute here? Again, for the sake of the flourishing of the community and the world experiencing Jesus too. Again, I, there, for the majority, that's the posture and it's, it's caused us to be a beautiful life-giving community to many. But again, consider, as you step in, is the posture that or is it something different? And finally, and this I think, honestly, I note this because I think this is, when I think about one of the struggles that I have personally, when I look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, there's so many things that draw me to that, but then if I'm honest, there's things that I'm like, ugh, I want that, but ugh. And one of them is this. Would you commit to being generous with the gifts God has given you and allow others to be generous to you? 
Again, our culture has so much wired us to just don't show that you need help. Don't show that you're needy. Show that you're a self-made man or a self-made woman or you've got it covered or your resources are enough or you've got the right insurance or you've got the basis covered or just don't, don't, don't let people know you're not okay. Our Surgeon General, Surgeon General just told us this morning, you guys, we're all not okay. Scripture, from original design, we were created okay and then the fall came and now, honestly, we're not all okay. But there's redemption in Jesus. And one of the gifts that we've been saved and redeemed into is into community. It's into doing life together. Amen? I want to invite the band to come forward to lead us in closing up our time of worship through the word by moving into a time of of music and also then a time of of communion. And as we come to the table this morning, here's what I could invite you to consider. Is that this table represents the generosity of Jesus. Jesus. Again, it represents Jesus, the Son of God, coming into this world, stepping down into the world he created in love to steward the life that God the Father called him to steward for the sake of his time on this earth. And he stewarded his life with such generosity that he goes to the cross to pay for my sins and to pay for your sins and to pay for the sins of humanity. We're told from Scripture that as we come to this table, what we're invited to do is to remember and proclaim his death until he comes again. Believing that this cup represents the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. That institutes a new covenant, that opens a new way for all of humanity again to be in right relationship, intimate relationship with God, and also to be placed in right relationship with one another through trusting Jesus. And then when we come to the table, the bread that's in this plate represents the body of Christ which was broken for us. Again, Jesus taking in his own body, his own flesh, the weight, the punishment of the sin and the brokenness of this world. His body being broken so that our body and our lives could be restored, brought back together by his grace. And so this morning, I invite you to to think in light of what God's word said this morning, what are the ways that the spirit is prompting you Maybe there's something to confess. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have with the Lord. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have with somebody else. Maybe there's a, a posture shift. Would you take time to have that conversation with the Lord? Before you do that, before you come to the table, I want to invite us to read together this communal prayer of confession that, that we are embracing together as a community. It's Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault in thought in word and deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen.